From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Macon Stuff, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, it's a post-mortem with Mark Hamilton and me. We did an LX Jamathon, and we're here to talk about it. So if everyone is ready, let's start. I think that performance speaks for itself. <laughs> guess a plus then uh <laughs> yeah i can stop i'm satisfied we don't have to do this anymore right it's not gonna stop though um <laughs> welcome mark hamilton to the show thanks and again we have two marks yeah <laughs> sorry i cut you off <laughs> i'm just trying to keep quiet just not confuse listeners yeah, fair enough <laughs> um would you like to like you know, talk about yourself a little bit uh yeah sure uh my name is Mark Hamilton. I am an instructional media developer and studio manager. Uh, work at the University of Iowa, and I basically work with faculty members to try to help them make engaging media that is pedagogically effective, that's effective for learning, instead of just really dull. Here's a PowerPoint slide as I talk through this slowly. So lots of like designing studio spaces, post-production, and then coaching them on accessibility as well as like even their performance so directing and stuff cool and so you and ellen did um a jamathon we did yeah so this is a thing that you've talked to us about for a long time yes that mm -hmm. it was coming but i don't think i've e I ever got a real solid handle on what it is so i'm actually really really excited to hear about it <laughs> yeah well i feel like it took us a while to get a handle on what it would be um but to kind of back the story up a little bit more um yeah so mark hamilton because there are two marks we might have to say it a couple times throughout the rest of the episode <laughs> um but we are both part of an instructional design discord community uh, and we've mentioned this a lot on the show because sometimes whenever I get on a spiel, I'm whenever I decide to get on a soapbox, it's usually about the similarities between game, you know, gameplay and the way learning experiences should be organized. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so that's you know, my background is in learning experience design, um, and Mark's background is in instructional media design, and so we both ended up on the same server. And for some reason, I think it was um, there was a just a discord user named kim who initially was asking the server like hey is there anything out here like like a game jam or a hackathon for learning experience designers and a bunch of people um of various levels of experience on the server said no but there should be <laughs> <laughs> so we started um i think kim started a group chat with all these folks and after a period of a few months where there was limited progress um everyone <laughs> I would say everyone, including me and Mark, got too busy to work on it. But Mark and I were the ones who decided we were going to keep working on it, despite the fact we were still too busy. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I mean, yeah, we've been working on it for a, a long, an embarrassingly long time, I feel like. But I don't know. When did we start this? When did we start talking about this thing? I think that user, Kim, I think she showed up in March of 2021. So it's been over a year. Wow. It was originally that whole group and made very little progress because we're like, oh, we'll meet once a week and meeting like once a week for an hour. is not enough time to actually accomplish much Yeah, uh, to put together an event like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's like a whole house move. I moved houses in the middle of us working. Like, that's the amount yeah. of time that has <laughs> passed. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, like I've done a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot. There's probably people out there who've done way more game jams than I have, but I've done quite a few and they're really, really fun. And I think they're really valuable experiences for um, for designers of any sort to participate in, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys know this because you've also been in lots of game jams. Right. Yeah. You know, like it's helpful to get an idea out really fast and to work together with other people to bring it to to life really quickly. Um, and I think it hones your design skills and your and your development process and your production and your communication above all, your teamwork, so on and so forth. And these are all things that learning experienced designers, like we were thinking, <laughs> um, learning experienced designers could really benefit from as well. Um, so we just kind of started by researching stuff and eventually ended up a couple weeks ago hosting our event with you finally. <laughs> <laughs> finally. <laughs> only took only took like a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we we're so ambitious at the very beginning, and so was everyone else, and we're like, yeah, oh we can put this together. Let's try six weeks from now. But oh. <laughs> 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 <It's> just... <laughs> laughable in retrospect yeah, yeah. that's yeah that's that's, so that's like, tough. oh we got like eight people <laughs> working yeah. on this at the same time yeah i mean too many like kind of too many cooks scenario a little bit yeah it's like we we kind of spun our wheels for a few weeks and didn't even come to consensus on what it should be um when we had the full yeah group. yeah because at first it was supposed to be like straight up a hackathon mm-hmm. and then we were kind of like debating about the difference i remember in the group chats one of the times debating about the difference between a hackathon and a jam and which would be more appropriate and then we're like why not both <laughs> and we just kind of smashed them together we're trying to figure out what to call it well there, i think in really early uh brainstorming as well there were some folks who were like wanted to make it an instructional experience for participants as well like here, here are specific lessons and takeaways and objectives mm-hmm. that we're going to have you um, go for as a participant. Right. And we're going to validate that you get that you get these takeaways before the end of the experience, which is not really what we were thinking of with a hackathon or a jam experience. And so there were really like three different ideas for what the experience would be bouncing around. And so I think that um, because of how the group initially came together, there really wasn't like a clear product owner or like director kind of person. Ah, Okay. Um, And so that's, that's something that, you know, we, we never, the two, when we, we whittled down the group to just the two of us, neither one of us has really like very specific roles. Like we do things that our skill set leans towards. Like I, I wrote the fake Wikipedia article. You did the fake podcast um, episode, which was amazing. Um, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like we didn't have one of us being like the decision maker. We were with, when it was just the two of us, we were in sync enough as to what we thought it could be that mm-hmm. we made lots of those decisions together. Okay. And so like, I mean, you were describing the way that the workflow changed. Like initially you were trying to meet once a week for an hour and you realized that wasn't nearly enough time you needed. And but when you transfer when it was just you two working on it, like how approximately how many hours did you work on it over a week? Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna say a number and it's gonna be like way lower than Mark's number. <laughs> it's gonna make me feel really embarrassed. I actually logged on my time though. Oh wow, really? Yeah, yeah. You, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, let me pull up. Well, while Ellen's looking that up, um, I found it really interesting that you said that people wanted to design it as a learning experience yeah. for participants. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that is just from the instinct of the learning experience designer of like, I'm making a thing, just use all, you know, or, or was it really like, let's do a jam. Oh, wouldn't it be neat if we also did this? You know what I mean? Was it an, an added idea or was it like the, the default that some participants went to or some planners went to that you had to sort of talk them out of? We didn't talk them out of it, right? We just didn't yeah, have them. No. <laughs> we just didn't have, and we didn't have enough time. Like yeah. I was one of the people to kind of push for something like that early on because I was trying to figure out how do I add value to this? And especially with like the person that first came in and asked about it, wasn't even an instructional designer yet they were like about to graduate yeah okay and so we were thinking when we're going to start marketing and thinking about who we want to draw in is this really going to be geared towards uh you know brand new instructional designers instructional designers that are like people that are really bored at their job and just want something creative to do um and if it's newer folks like a lot of them are just chock full of questions so it'd be really adding a lot of value for them if we also had it be doing double duty and be like, right, hey, you're going to walk away with these like understandings and ideas by the end of the Jamathon. Yeah. Yeah, that might be something we can talk about towards the end of towards the end of today's episode when we're talking about what we want to do differently next time if we want to do one again. Um, I, I do have an hour count. I don't oh. know if it's accurate, though. Yeah. It says... So my my clock, my toggle tracker says I spent 70 hours on it, which seems low. That's, I mean, considering how long you've talked about it, that does seem low. Yeah, so I don't know if that's not, like, maybe I didn't start tracking it until recently. Um, because it seems low, even though, like, it's spread out over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there were some, some, you know, some weeks where we just, like, met for an hour, and then we did, like, an hour or two of work outside of our meetings and then came back but i i think it was that seems low to me but on the other hand like a lot of the higher effort stuff you were in charge of like you built the website and things i guess i doodled and i doodled an oscaloose you can ask what an oscaloose is we'll explain <laughs> wow like i don't know what an oscaloose is <laughs> yeah jeez <laughs> I don't know what mask is. I don't know if that was clear. <laughs> There's no way you would know because we made it up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You you did do the doodling of the Oscaloose and a lot of like the more technical paperwork. I got to do the stuff that's looks pretty in front end, like the website and stuff. And mm-hmm. you made a logo. It was pretty cool. I did the logo, yeah. Um and made up some of the Oscaloose core mythology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> made up a mythological creature yes. but i don't know our time was really variable because we get real bit like this was kind of like our side gig mm-hmm. um that we kept pushing back to because people disappeared that originally were really involved oh okay uh but i'm gonna say that i had worked 71 hours on, on <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair you're closest without going over yeah it's just, it's like, it's right rules. yeah <laughs> Um, so let me think 
I know there are a bunch of questions that we listed out and we've kind of talked about some of them. We can probably just continue the conversation organically, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the things we should talk about is like, because this will get to the whole point of what an Oscaloose is. Um, oh, we should mark this in the show notes. We should put a picture of the Oscaloose in the show notes on yes. the website. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the reason we had to create a mythological creature goes right back to the reason we decided to do something that had both hackathon elements and jam elements. Mm-hmm. So what we, we talked about it and we were trying to think about whether we should do one or the other. Um, and we eventually decided on both because we wanted like the, the instructional design process is very much rooted in like needs analysis. You do, you look at your organization that wants you to do some work and you look at the like the learning audience and who you're going to be delivering this learning experience to and what you want the outcomes to be and so on and so forth. And so you're really solving a problem like that organization has a need for something because they want something to be different than the way it is now. Yeah. And as an instructional designer, you need to try to understand what that is and then try to design an experience that people can go through that will help move the needle on what the organization needs. Mm-hmm. And that can be anything from a nonprofit or like a business or government agency or whatever you know any group of people but the the point being is that instructional design starts with like organizational goals that's not what a game jam is usually right like a game jam it gives you more of a loose framework like it gives you some things to get inspired by but Mm -hmm. the way you could take it in a lot of different directions Mm -hmm. um which is why like global game jam you'll get like a prompt like a theme like what was it the other day? Like transmission was one of the recent, that was one of them, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the themes from the last few years. Um, and if you want to make like if you want to make a platformer about transmission, you can. If you want to make like a puzzler, you know, there's all you can do whatever you want. Right. You just connect it to the, the theme in its own way. Yeah. So that's a really cool experience, and we wanted people to be able to have that freedom to just be creative because most instructional designers in their day jobs are constrained yeah they're not necessarily able to do the creative work that they they find most captivating they're able to bring like their creative skills to bear but like it's not art right it's it's a design process sure um and on the other hand we also wanted to give people the chance to practice the instructional design process so um that's kind of where we ended up with the hackathon right because the hackathon you have a specific problem that you're trying to solve yeah, because we looked at it and we're like, we could do it more jam-like and be like, here's a theme, but people would need to be their own subject matter expert on things. And if we came up with something like the Oscaloos, uh, A, they could do more of like, here's our learning objectives, here's our more specific goals for the end of this event, as well as we don't have to be like, go along now, run along, make something about sustainability, make it cool. <laughs> For, for an undefined audience. But if we made up our own thing, then we could be like, here's your audience, here's your target demographic, oh. here's kind of the problems and the goals. And we could be like uh, the end-all subject matter experts if we make up our own creature. I see. Because, you know, no one's going to come around and be like, uh, yeah, no, that's not quite right. Oh, actually, well, the... Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, actually, I wrote the book on the Oscaloose. Yeah. So. <laughs> Got it. That's a, that's a really creative way, you know, a creative solution to that is to create a, you know, a creature that you, that is the audience for this thing. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, we, we wanted, so our theme was the sustainability. 
That's what we decided on as far as the theme. And then running parallel to that was our prompt. Yeah. So we said like kind of the language that we used on the website and we'll link the website in the show notes so you can like go poke around and and oob and ah at Mark's cool like Starburst logo thing. Um, (laughs) But we talked about how you could jam the theme or you could hack the prompt. Mm. And if you chose the theme and it's more like we said if you want to do something that's more like a a jam a game jam do the theme then you just get the theme of sustainability and you run with it if you want to do something that's more like a hackathon then you're going to deal with the prompt which has like this very specific criteria for what you need to build Mm. um and i think most of the we didn't have a ton of participants our initial goal was like let's get 40 people (laughs) um we didn't have that many (laughs) but we did have a lot of enthusiastic folks show up and most of them, most I feel like most people were doing the prompt. Yeah, I think only one person did the theme, and then you and I did like little projects because we had a little, we had a little bit of a head start on everybody. Um, just a little. <laughs> but we year. we didn't want to get ourselves too in deep with anything because a we were tired and b we needed to be available in case people had questions. Right. So. Yeah, but I think you did the theme, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. But only like one actual participant did the theme. Everyone did the prompt because yeah. we made a cute little creature, and people are like excited about the cute little creature with a silly name. I think, I think you got to tell us what an oscaloose is, Mark. Yeah, yeah. What is <laughs> that? All right. So, an oscaloose is a short monotreme. So, uh, monotremes are things like echidnas or, or the platypus. Oh, so, okay. it. It it lays eggs, but it's still a mammal. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is the the fun creatures when you look at it and you're like, this doesn't actually exist. No, it's a real thing. <laughs> and so we decided to make up the Oscaloose, which was this sort of scavenger uh monotreme of the Midwest that is kind of like a cross between like a kiwi, a chicken, and a raccoon, like something <laughs> in there. Okay. So it looks kind of bird like, like a kiwi. Um, and it was a scavenger, and it's purple, uh, but like a deep purple because mm. Ellen and her family has this whole background in like zoology, and I kept coming up with these things, and they'd be like, El- at more than once, Ellen was like, "That sounds a little too silly." <laughs> I had to push back on some actually moments when I was getting feedback from my family. They're like, "I don't know if the monotreme would walk like that. It doesn't really make sense for its skeleton." I'm like. Nope. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but yeah, and then we made up this whole lore about it, like being in the pioneer days, um, being good luck because it was uh, there was less disease when the Oscaloose was around, mm-hmm. but really it was because it was scavenging like rotting food and stuff. Um, and then it's this recently rediscovered species that's of course recently rediscovered. It's endangered. And so people would have to try to figure out a way to like raise Oscus awareness or, um, you know, help out. We made up an organization to the the Wild Oscus Wildlife Foundation or something like that. Wonderful, uh, wonderful Oscus. Wonderful Oscus Wildlife <laughs> Foundation. <Yeah>. Wow, wow, wow. So <laughs> we made up wow, and so you would be working for wow to help protect and spread the word about the Oscaloose because and we came up with like we had like a million things when we were first dreaming it up um of basically making it have to do with sustainability so Oscaloose is a scavenger it would get into the trash it would eat 
bright, shiny, colorful plastic and choke. And so you would be trying to get people to separate out the recyclables and take better care of what they put in the trash and mm-hmm. compost, stuff like that. So we tied it into sort of like real world issues, too, at the same time. Yeah, since we invented the Askaloos, we were able to invent the threats to the Askaloos yeah. to keep it within the theme. So, like, yeah, like it was it had an endangered nesting or like it had limited nesting sites because it really like needs to have these specific places where it lays its monotreme eggs and it likes to dig in trashes. So you might want to explore having an Askaloos proof waste receptacle in your alley and so on and so forth. Um but yeah, that was all trying to tie back into the theme of sustainability around like being mindful about what you do with the things you the off, you know, like the extra stuff that happens when you make a con- like when you consume a thing, mm-hmm. when you make a consume um, <laughs> and just thinking about what you do with that and where it ends up. So people did some really cool stuff. Cool. Yeah. Do you, are there examples somewhere that we can like? Yeah. Share? Yeah. We'll post these links to the show notes as well. But um. <laughs> To kind of back up, so yeah, so we ended up hosting it on Itch, um, mm-hmm. which was not our first choice, ah. um, because Itch is you know very well established as a game jam hosting platform, and yeah. we weren't really like we wanted to leverage the feeling of a game jam, but we weren't really positioning ourselves as a game jam. Sure, um, we initially looked at DevPost, which is a place to host hackathons. Huh. And Mark, you yeah. initially talked, like applied to get a, an account started there, and they didn't like what we had to offer or something. <laughs> uh, we talked to the Dev Post guy, and I had a contact at Dev Post that, like, went back and forth, had me like explain everything. Um, and in the first email, I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of this this deal where we're doing." Uh, instructional design and people are going to submit different types of projects da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. and then he asked for all these details about the Oscars and the event and all these things oh. and then finally ended it with an email where he's like oh by the way we don't do things that aren't programming related wow because we want to stay on brand i was just like <laughs> you had us go back and forth with like six emails <laughs> like you knew this from the first one yeah so yeah it was a little silly but yeah. I mean, I get it. And I was kind of worried about that. I mean, even with Itch, but Itch was Itch is very versatile with what they are willing to host. Yeah. yeah. I was nervous about that at first because I was like, uh, are they going to pull it like the day of? And be like, yeah, you can't host this anymore. Yeah. I was very worried about that. Well, it's actually kind of something that happened recently is that the, the Itch people were saying, you know, we're really just a file sharing service. So <laughs> uh, what if we had a media player? Like and so oh. they just I'm like yeah, which is so if you can oh, you can just upload so people can sell their albums. Oh really? On Itch now. Wow, um, nice. Because they just realized yeah, all we do is host files and time to accounts and and payment processors. Why not also become a SoundCloud? Like they realized they had all the tools. Yeah, um, fair. So yeah, their their philosophy is very much like you want to host something with us and sell it. We don't care what it is. Yeah. 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 Certainly, like I, I think they're most robust and refined features have to do with finding games yeah and finding game jams 
but sure you can you know you look for the right tags on anything you can probably find it mm-hmm. right now you can look on there for Oscaloose and you'll probably find some stuff <laughs> so what was the final format that you expected people to upload to itch pdfs uh links what were people actually what was the final project format well yeah so we um we wanted to make it really open to whatever people had to give like uh instructional design can the output of instructional design can take so many forms yeah Mm -hmm. um i think something that gets the most attention is e-learning um because i think it takes the most work (laughs) (laughs) um it certainly takes a really like varied amount of skill sets but what we told people they could submit would be like a poster or um like an app like a like an app mock-up or um uh instructor-led training or like a classroom activity or an outside scavenger hunt or something like that or like an exhibit i could literally could take any format um as long as they kind of showed their work so we did ask people to when they uploaded their solution also upload a description of like certain things about their solution how did they you know what audience did they target um what were the specific outcomes they were trying to achieve with their solution and and challenges and so on and so forth so um that's the the output the final like media file could be almost anything yeah but the important part i think that made it an instructional design event was the description of how you got there Hmm. yeah i don't know mark did you want to add anything uh just that we left it really open we got a lot of different types of submissions um I think everyone submitted at least one thing that was different hmm. of all our participants. Uh, like we got a game, we got a, an actual like e-learning module, we got posters, we got a video. But yeah, we left it nice and broad and open because depending on the situation, what your solution is, what you decide to focus on is like hacking the prompt um, kind of dictated what your output would be and kind of your time too so some people didn't have like really the full 72 hours to participate mm-hmm. so they put in what they could to put something together mm-hmm. but as long as they had like their learning objectives and their target audience and stuff and other little things like that listed uh all those little instructional design questions that you're supposed to ask and answer that i'm sure everyone does with every project they do very thoroughly yeah. um, written out as we asked them to. <laughs> um, the we pretty much accepted anything to let them be creative. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it seems like there's you the the process of developing this kind of it wasn't that you had this core idea and then made changes to refine it. It's that you had this like amorphous concept that got refined as it got closer and closer. Mm-hmm. So what about that process of like picking a date? telling people about it that whole like execution on that independent of the design of the of the event itself what was that like long (laughs) (laughs) i you want to go first no 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 i agree with you long (laughs) elaborate (laughs) um yeah well i mean it's the first time either one of us has really done anything like this i think um, in this way, trying to put this together and get people to participate. And yeah, it was, um, I think once we, it took us a while to land on the fact that we needed both the prompt and the theme. Um, and then we 
kind of struggled with the prompt for a little bit and tried to figure that out. And then we had that when we had the prompt and we had to like create the assets to support the prompt, right? We needed source material for people to work with and we invented the critter. So we needed to create the source material, (laughs) which was a lot of fun, but also like took a lot of time. Oh, sure. So yeah, that um, was long. And then there was this whole like promotional period. Like once we got the creative parts kind of locked in, we knew what we wanted to do with the Ask Loose and we had like a discrete backlog of things that we wanted to create for it. We started working on promotion and I think that's where we kind of ran out of gas. (laughs) Ah. Um, Partly because we'd been working on it for so long, but also because I think maybe neither one of us really likes doing that stuff. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, You know, having to go out and talk to strangers, strangers that are the worst. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's a pretty common game dev refrain yeah right yeah. it's like i want to make my thing but now i have to sell it to people i have right. to convince them to participate or to join up or to make a sale or whatever it is yeah like that's a that's a part where like even if you plan for it 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 isn't something any of us want to be doing necessarily i mm-hmm. mean we're you're lucky if you're the type of person who enjoys that work also mm-hmm. um i mean you're lucky if you're the type of person who can do that work but you have to be able to know how to do it and enjoy it for it right. to be not super stressful because yeah. you're doing it at a time when you're burnt out on the project. Yeah. Almost yeah. always. That's right? a really good point. Like you have to expect that you're going to feel burnt out on it. Yeah. And so if it's not something you're automatically passionate about, if you're already burnt out, then you're not going to be able to dig deep and find that enthusiasm for something that you don't just gen- genuinely like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, a lot of the people that we like where we would market it to who we would market to um like that community already knew we had been working on it pretty heavily uh and then there's a bunch of like tangential communities that might be interested like the on reddit the teachers subreddit for uh regular teachers but also like early childhood education but a lot of those would have these like no self-promotional clauses. Uh, and yeah, like we would have had to, for me to build up the relationships, because I was in charge of a lot of the, a lot of that part I was supposed to be, um, but to build up the relationships with all of those individual communities that I'm not exactly a part of. I don't work in early childhood education mm-hmm. in higher ed. Um, and then convince them, by the way, let me post my, my event to your, to your page. Uh, even though I don't necessarily contribute that much else, uh, was kind of tricky because they'd have non-promotional like rules in their in their subreddits or their communities, right? Yeah. Their Discord servers. Gotcha. Okay. Which is fair. Like I understand why. Um, yeah. This wouldn't be something we'd be spamming for like months upon months upon months, but it still fits within the within the clauses, I guess. Did you feel yeah. that the audience in general was kind of niche for this like event? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good one. It's probably one of the things we should definitely revisit before we decide what we want to do next. And that was one of the things we wanted to talk about on this episode was mm-hmm. what do we want to do with it next? Is it is it too niche? I I just feel like it isn't. It's just that people don't know what it is. Sure. Yeah. So the problem wasn't like if you if you got someone to understand what it was, you found a receptive audience more or less. But it was just getting to that point. I think. So. I mean, the people who participated 
loved it. We got really positive feedback. Everyone, every one of them said that they would absolutely do it again. That's great. Um, or at least everyone who submitted responses to the feedback form. Feedback yeah. forms are important, people. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, they all said that they would absolutely 100% do it again. Um, so I, th- and everyone seemed to have a really fun time, whether they were like really active in the Discord channel or whether they were kind of more just building their thing solo. Um, they all seemed to really enjoy it. But I don't think that, I mean, like it happened with DevPost, right? Like they're dev focus. That's what hackathons are. They're for mm-hmm. developers or for people who program. Yeah. And that's just what you think of. And you think of jams and you think of, jazz or you think of games (laughs) and there just isn't i think a lot of people don't know what a game jam is a lot of people don't know what a hackathon is unless they're like they're directly or tangentially related to those fields that take the most you know that make most use of those kinds of events and so i think it's uh, a really unfamiliar format and there therefore needs to be like really spelled out what you're supposed to get from it yeah um and it's possible that having the prompt and the theme confused that a little bit i don't know what do you think i think maybe it did i think one of the hurdles and i saw this like when i was looking up how to promote your thing and when we were first doing our stuff was a few different like jamathon or, or not jamathon the only jamathon that i found um <laughs> but hackathon because we decided we're gonna make up We'll make up our own name. We'll make up our own thing. <laughs> um, but the hackathon like guides that I found of putting together your hackathon, I found a couple where they talk about the big problem of people, not necessarily that the event wasn't accessible to everybody. Like anyone could have taken part in our event. We made the output very like technically basic. You could have submitted a Word document with like a strategy or a syllabus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but people looking at it and being like, am, am, am I allowed to come play too? Mm-hmm. No? Can, yeah, can, I, yeah. can I participate? Um, and I mean, I even got a couple of those questions from a few people that were like, I'm just kind of interested in structural design. I'm, I'm kind of testing the waters. Can, can I come by and, and do stuff? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But there were lots of people that were like hesitant because yeah. they didn't feel like, belonged Mm -hmm. that's fascinating because like i hear that kind of things from game jams too like i think a lot of people are interested in participating in a game jam but they don't consider themselves programmers or they don't consider themselves artists and so they don't know how they can actively participate in the game jam they don't know what they could provide uh and we and when i was in you know when i helped like organize some game jams and things i uh put in work to like convince people that you could participate regardless of your skill level in programming or art or what have you because there's so many different things that go into making a game um yeah it's it's it is it's unknown how people will like approach a thing that they are unfamiliar with right so and you'll be very surprised if you organize a game a game jam you people will be like oh that's just for people who are professional game developers with like years of experience you're like that's not who does game jams generally (laughs) but like they don't know yeah and how how, why would they exactly you know um there's like a culture around these sorts of things that sometimes you can feel left out of even if it's uh, like the jam has you know is a new jam by new people mm. you know who themselves have never done it before yeah like I, I totally see why someone could come in and say like you know i know that this is for professionals or whatever but i would like to see but i imagine that must have been kind of shocking to hear because those were the people you were targeting right like in a, in a lot of ways i'm not sure if anything was shocking <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, like I think I I was kind of I I think I frustrated Ellen more than once because I'd get stickler about like, yeah, but who's our audience? <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> like I, I kept trying to like reiterate these points that yeah. get really into the nuance of if we're going over these people after these people. Um, so we talked about that a lot until we kind of settled eventually on the idea of it's for people that want to network and get to know people in their field. And it's for people to get a chance to just be creative. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we probably could have marketed harder to that. Yeah. To those two aspects, like specifically, Mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely like had that in what we posted when we posted to social media and stuff. But I feel like we could have pushed harder on how it benefits those people and how it's, was a really accessible event for anybody. I feel like we could have pushed that a lot harder. Sure. Yeah. I think um, one thing that we could have done differently, and if we do this again, is maybe provide more examples of how people can collaborate because Mm. that didn't really happen organically. And I wasn't, I was kind of surprised in the moment, I guess, but now like in hindsight, it kind of seems obvious why I wouldn't. Um, The first hackathon or the first game jams that I participated in were on site. And, that kind of forces you to talk to people because there are only so many outlets you can plug into. Right. <laughs> um, and other various things that happen when you're on site. Um, everybody was virtual for our event. And so I think uh, we, need, we needed to do more to facilitate some camaraderie. Yeah. And then we got some good suggestions in the feedback forms about how to do that next time. But I think that if we had also provided some examples of like, hey, one way you can help contribute, even if you don't want to make your own project, is like you can make assets. We could have had somebody just drawing different Oscaloosas the entire weekend, and that would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, we've got a nice Games Club t-shirt. We do. We do. Wait, I have one. You do have one. Mark has one as well. Uh, I have one too. So everyone here has one. Yep, definitely. And uh, we don't have to worry about uh, not having one. I don't have one yet, y'all. Okay, so I'm going to go on the website. So this is really a message for you. Yeah, yeah. it's a message for me. But also, you know, listeners, you should Here, what we're going to do is Steven is going to buy one right now. Oh, my goodness. On air. Okay. Yeah, you go to nicegames.club slash shirt. Yep. And, and then and see, let's see what it takes you. Huh? Yeah, when you plug it in, what do you see? It's loading. Hey, Amazon. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Look at this T-shirt. I've seen the T-shirt before. Just because I don't own one doesn't mean I haven't seen it. Right. Because It's only $20. So cheap. How soft is it, though? Does it tell you? Well, Steven would know. I don't have one. But I know for a fact it's incredibly soft. It's incredibly soft. Super comfy. Wow. Okay. I got to get one. I'm going to get one for my mom, too. Ooh. Yeah. Double win. My mom said she wanted one. (laughs) So I'll get one for her. It's got the Nice Games Club logo on the front. It does. Uh, with the three colored dots representing the three of us. Yeah. And it's got the website on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it's classy. Yeah, it's, it's very classy. Classy gray. It's yeah. a nice classy, it's nice classy like, t-shirt. Like, totally, you can dress it up. You can dress it down. Yeah. You could wear it with a skirt. You could wear it with pants. Probably wear it with shorts if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a stretch, but I bet it's possible. <laughs> Go wild. Shorts. You know what they say about shorts. No, no. They're comfortable and easy to wear. Just oh. like this shirt. Hey! <laughs> Go to nicegames.club slash shirt. I'm ordering mine right now.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. That's a problem Shucks. for, I mean, that's a problem that, that for virtual game jams have had since time immemorial. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as, as more of them are online uh, um, since the pandemic started, uh, there existed online ones before that. But I think that's been a tough transition for a lot of planners. Um, so it's not a unique problem that you faced, I don't think. That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, what's the format for team building is, like, an unsolved question yeah um yeah there's not a lot of guides out there which is like we've this is the way we've done it and it's worked really well and so try it and adapt it to your no it's there's no there's no north star for that topic Mm -hmm. i think it's also really tough when you are allowing for a lot of different formats in your solution right Mm -hmm. so like you don't need you don't necessarily need a full team to make a syllabus (laughs) you know like and a lot of the e-learning tools that are used by instructional designers are made for people who are one like one person shows Hmm. they do kind of everything um and so if you're kind of just working from the basics there's not a lot of incentive to team up but the quality of what you could put out would be a lot greater if you did team up um i think that instructional designers especially new ones just don't they don't necessarily think that way which that is something that was really revealing to me. It's like nobody, nobody even asked. Nobody asked each other for like feed, feedback. Really, um, hmm. I didn't. Nobody really asked each other for help on making assets. There wasn't, there wasn't much like organic collaboration. I really expected there to be. I saw maybe one or two people post like halfway through their works in progress, and I even did that a couple of times just to try to get people to like jump in, but. It was very much, you know, middle school dance and all the boys and girls are looking at me and they're like, uh, so are we supposed to, how, how, how do I ask, ask, ask someone to be my partner and, and go out to the dance floor with me? Like, yeah, people, I think people were really shy and I think there were enough, again, that, that sort of like skill gap, do I really belong imposter syndrome that, uh, lots of people have kind of playing into do I want to offer to be on like Ellen's team and then make a complete fool out of myself because I don't know how to write a learning objective mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. But looking at the comments that people left, something I was thinking about that in the future would make a really good, uh, almost like a mixer, like a way to get people more involved would, and this changes the event a little bit, but throughout holding little workshops Mm, so like we've got our 72 hours all right saturday at 11 we're gonna do 
uh, an hour or a half hour where we're literally going to, for the first half hour, talk about here's how you write out uh, a needs analysis. Here's how you can go about this. And then spending a half hour just kind of being present with the participants so that they can work with each other on it and submit stuff. It's a really good idea. Yeah, I think that provides a draw too without us adding uh, like we didn't have a whole lot of like extra incentives other than the fun of the event mm -hmm. but i think that would add a draw without having to add like a monetary incentive or a sponsorship where you know we're giving them like a year of store articulate storyline or something like that yeah um where mm -hmm. the experience the the real the real goal, the real uh, reward is the the things we found along the way. The, friend, the friends we made along the 72 hours. Where the we... Oscalus <laughs> friends we made along the way. The friends we made with the Oscalus. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and we could do like, I mean, we, we could do tags like I am really good at storyline. I'm really good at making art. I'm really good at writing. I'm really good at, def you know, programming because <laughs> you could totally like make a game based learning experience make a make a game put it up on itch like people could have done that i think uh -huh. you'd need the full time that we allotted for the event to do something like that and you need to collaborate with people but uh yeah there would be there would be no reason that couldn't have been a thing yeah and i wonder if our event wasn't too short hmm. uh, especially because there was a number of people that came to me that were like just telling me how busy their week was oh. and because and i know this is true for a lot of professions but like instructional there's lots of instructional designers that are freelance or are otherwise you know when when it gets busy when it rains it pours mm -hmm. and so they'd be like oh i'm just like they'd be pumped for it and be talking to me about it for weeks and there was one guy that talked to me about a bunch oh my god that sounds so cool and then a week before he's like oh, i'm so busy there's so much to do because yeah. You know, it just happened to be that time yeah. of the year for him. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that scared a couple of people off. Like, we had some people be like, I don't think I have enough time to really put anything together, but can I just sit in the corner and watch and participate? <laughs> I like <laughs> Um, And I think that was a, something that kept some people from signing up and, like, making, feeling like they made a commitment. Yeah, sure. yeah. You certainly could, you know, invite folks to observe knowing that they'll eventually want to contribute just by being around, mm -hmm. you know, like, like join a team as a, as an, as an observer, go ahead, you wink, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think other uh, jams have approached that, that length question differently. Like, um, you know, sometimes you just do it all in a weekend and you cram for it and you're tired on Monday. Um, but other times it takes place over three weeks and you are not expected to spend more than two working days on it across those weeks. Yeah. Right. Or it takes place over a certain amount of time and you pick out your three days where you're going to like really crunch on it uh, in that sort of jam setting. Um, and that makes it a little bit more flexible. It makes it a little bit harder to organize uh, because there isn't a single truth that everybody lives by. But uh, that's a way around it. Mm -hmm. You know, I like longer. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, I like helping like a couple of people mentioned in the feedback form that it would be good to like open up the discord server before the event started because we we held back the prompt and the theme yeah. we did it kind of like local game jam style sure. where we yeah. didn't reveal it until the day that it started yeah mm -hmm. but we 
I guess we inadvertently took the extra step in that we didn't add people to the Discord channel until a couple, like a, the day before that. Oh, right, and so right. maybe we should have, we should have done that, <laughs> like weeks, yeah. like as soon as people registered, perhaps, um, to kind of let those relationships build up and and hype and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that. there's the spirit of the jam, which is just to like hold back until you're ready to go. But but yeah, some of that like non-work prep of just learning how to communicate in this in this setting and and yeah making some relationships and tossing out ideas that you know are not solid uh that's not cheating yeah yeah (laughs) so Hmm. yeah uh yeah and i like i expected a lot more people that were like because we did a channel within the established like instructional designer server and i expected a lot more of the people that are kind of lurkers but show up for the events mm-hmm. to show up for this event and we just didn't get quite as many of those people as i expected uh, um but yeah i think opening the channel up earlier on would have definitely made a difference mm-hmm. and that's what we got more than one comment i think that said that yeah that asked for it to yeah. be open earlier yep yeah, and we could people slide it. I mean, it seems like super basic now, but just we weren't thinking about that at the time. Um, you had a lot on your plate. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, the, one of our last un uncrossed off items that we want to talk about was like, what did we learn on this project that I didn't know before? And um, I feel like I did know this before, but I have to relearn it every time I try something new because it's a new context, and that is I can't think of everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way to think of everything. Uh-huh. Um, and that's part of the reason why we just kind of, like, went for it. You know, we initially thought, we're going to have tons of participants, and we're going to promote it, like, six months in advance. And I met with Beth Korth to talk about how she gets, you know, events together for IGDATC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, and and she gave me all these tips, and I wrote them down, and we didn't follow any of them. Just ran out of time. Sorry, Beth. No, thanks, Beth. Organizing events is hard. Um, but yeah, I can't think of any. Can't think of everything. So like the best, the best teacher is really experienced because now I know like what did take time and what didn't take time. And some things will be a lot faster next time. And th- some things will, and since some things will be faster, we'll be able to use that extra time to do some of the things that we didn't do this time around that will be really impactful. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we spent, I think the big difference about doing it a second time around is the amount of work and effort that we can put into frankly, the stuff that is more fun, at least for me, to even put together, like the little fake podcast and the other promotional materials. And, you know, I would have loved to, like, when we did the reveal, do a big reveal. Like, we had all these cool ideas, but what really got us bogged down for a good chunk of time was, like, getting, going through dev posts and then having to go through itch.io, getting the website set up and setting all that up just right making all the stuff for LX Jamathon, including, you know, making it like a proper LLC and stuff um, so that we didn't have to worry about getting the pantsuit off us because someone got upset that their Oscluse thing was public or whatever might happen. <laughs> um, but like all that extra behind the scenes work that kind of it's the foundation. And once it's done, we don't have to worry about it as much as anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. And that ate up a lot of energy and and headspace like we had more than one meeting where we just talked about 
like the rules of the Jamathon, um, which then we made it so broad that no one broke any rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people are also like reasonable, normal people, and we had things in there about like we had a couple of specific I don't even remember what, but we had a couple of specific things in there. And I think at one point, Ellen, you were just like, let's just put don't be a jerk and leave it at that. We were we got because a little more specific. Yeah. Well, I think we also were able to lean on itch.io's participation rules. Uh, um yeah. and I think we said something like, Don't you know, like we listed well, you know, like we're gonna share the links to the we made a participant guide, um, and we will have that link is available on our website, so you'll be able to get to it and see the exact language that we used. Um, but I think it was something like, "Here are the things you can't do, and if you are breaking these, we will kick you out." Um, and also, don't break any laws in your area. <laughs> we're not responsible for that. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, so a ton of lessons learned for okay. ne- for next time. I keep hearing next time, next time, next time. Yeah. Is this is this now <laughs> an annual event? When Alan's is when is next time? I, I was making a face. <laughs> Would you do this again? Yeah. Yeah. I oh think, yeah. I think so too. I would absolutely do it again. I would do it again. Um, I like how each of you were like staring at each other, like, not willing to commit until the other one did. <laughs> we're so busy right now, and we're both so tired. We don't have to do it now. No, we're for sure not <laughs> now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I next think... week. Let's go. <laughs> no, 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 please. Well, the first one took a year to from conception to execution. The second one probably will be closer to that six weeks you originally planned. Oh God, no! It'll take longer than that. You think so? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because like I think one of the things we really liked doing was creating that prompt, ah. and I oh, I would sure. really like to do that kind of thing again because a it made it fun for us, and b it allowed us to be creative. And then not feel like we needed to bring our creativity to producing something yeah, at yeah. the event. We could be there to help participants. And I still think that, to me, that feels like the right role for us during the event is to help participants. Um, yeah. I think we could, I think we'd end up spending more time on like the workshop thing, like the mechanics of how is this a good event for people? How is this going to be enjoyable for them rather than just being like, all right, something exists. There aren't any holes in the boat. It's not going to like immediately sink once we once we launch it. Um, but adding, you know, more of the flourishes and stuff. So I'd want to spend the time to like really flesh that out on the prompt. But if we had, <laughs> if we had the will, <laughs> uh, I think we have enough of that base groundwork that it wouldn't take nearly as long to put together another one. Yeah. But I'd want to just to get like that extra level of polish on there yeah yeah it's really fun to do that and and then yeah that would leave us maybe some more time to a do the promotional stuff and b get like if we wanted to do workshops we wouldn't have to all necessarily do that on our own we could bring in some of our you know some people that we know to do an hour-long workshop on something right i think that'd be kind of fun um especially if we had it over a longer period of time like if we had if we stretch it out over a month Mm -hmm. then that would be pretty cool um, so I think I think I mean, we're talking about it as if we're going to do another one. So I guess we're going to do another one, but we're going to give ourselves a break first. Yeah, that um, seems fair. What about do you, do you want you want to go after sponsors next time? I think we should. I had more than one person that was like uh, talking to me about their experience putting together events or working with people that were like, "Oh yeah, no, get these sponsors. They'll love it. They'll they'll eat it up because it's a chance to get them to, you know, use." 
have new IDs, new instructional designers and stuff use their tools. Yeah. Mm. So like, it's free marketing for them and it costs, you know, articulate, it costs them nothing to give a year of storyline, a digital access to a digital piece of software to some random winner of a yeah event of which I don't know. Other than like conferences, they don't I never do. found anything that was really quite like what we did. We didn't have a judging I don't really think we're gonna put judging in there though. Like for the winner, we could do like you'll if you submit a thing, you'll be randomly like Sweet selected. Yeah. But we didn't have like a judging, mm-hmm. and I don't know. That is one thing we talked about a lot. It's like maybe having like some options for giving feedback. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to organize it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to organize it after the fact. But we can. Yeah. Really- well, the hardest thing was everything was so open. Yeah. You know, like. We judge you. You're you're number one, um, for reasons. When you submitted like the syllabus, and then someone else put together a giant video and a, a small course module. Yeah, that, that's you a know. good point. <laughs> yeah. Very very. The judging criteria and how do you make it like even without having to make it so that everyone has the same skill set or access to software even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I appreciate about game jams versus. Um, what I used to do when I was making films, which is like a 24-hour film fest, a very similar idea, is those always have those always have judging and awards, and that's a big motivation for people, and it's just miserable. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's not fun, and you know you're 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 not doing your best work because you're in artificial situations. You're you're leaning too much on the skills you already have because they're tried and true rather than the skills you're trying to develop. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're you're pressured into doing into impressing people, and you're you're motivated by what other people are doing you know, all, all just bad motivations all around mm-hmm. well i think you want everyone to be a winner you know well yeah and not like the yeah we want everyone to be a winner because we want everyone to be choosing their own goals for the event yeah yeah right like and i yeah. i you know it's stereotypical to, to associate millennials with participation trophies but that's not what this is about everyone comes to the event with different experiences mm-hmm. and therefore different goals or what they want out right. of it yeah and having some kind of judging criteria and then prizes based on that just doesn't seem it doesn't it's not aligned with what we want to do yeah yeah it's like mark was saying it yeah. changes your motivation exactly mm-hmm. no i think there's there's a possibility for feedback and we can explore that again mm-hmm. but i don't know yeah we'll see i i do think i want to do it again though mm-hmm. yeah yeah, you've you, you've made the commitment for the both of us now. You've said it on a podcast. I said I, said, I think I want to do it. We can edit person. this stuff out. Y'all, we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm editing this one probably. I don't know. It's all going on there. <laughs> He'll take it out maybe. <laughs> I have one question for the for the all of us, I mm, guess, mm-hmm. and that is like, so based on this conversation, this is kind of game dev tangential a way that a lot of like the learning experience design stuff that i talk about is what what specific takeaways do you think come from this conversation for game developers who are want to participate in a jam or organize their own i think the thing i'm picking up on is that that your event is unique to your audience but not because your audience is unique yeah i think it's because of what you guys built right there are 30 or 40 other ways to do something like this for learning experience designers. And you picked your way, not, not because you need, it didn't seem like you were defining like, what would a jam look like? Maybe that's the question you started with is what would a thing like this look like for this audience? Mm-hmm. But it became what it was 
because the two of you made it, I think. Hmm. So I think that, that, so my takeaway, if I'm someone who wants to make a jam in my particular, you know, corner of development um, that I feel like I can organize something around is, um, you know, your, your audience is important, but that's not necessarily what makes it unique. Uh -huh. Like, you, you know, you don't have to worry about the right way to do it, I guess, is just find your way of doing it. Um, I mean, that's kind of similar to what you tell people when they participate in a jam. Um, you know, like you, you certainly could do a thing where there is, um, um, where you have, uh, like feedback rounds or something. You, there's not, there are other ways to do it. And there, I don't think there's a right way to do it. Yeah. Um, but the two of you did some innovation because it doesn't seem to be something that existed for this audience. Um, but I would almost say that if something like this were like an annual event and became popular, what I, what you can hope for is other groups organizing similar events that have their own flavors yeah. mm -hmm. and turning, you know, and, and maybe not having the burden of doing this for the whole industry. Um, but maybe that's what you start with is to inspire others to do some, something in their, in their own way. You know, yeah. it should also give you the freedom to make really strong choices, have, have opinions about how you want to run it, that you don't have to feel are governed by, um, by analysis and data it's because it's what you want, you know? Um, I'm not sure if that's the lesson that either of you are taking away, but that's kind of what I'm hearing. Um, yeah. I hadn't really thought about the Jamathon event as like a designed experience that expresses like us in any way, but I guess it is. <laughs> well, you were too busy making it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Oscaloose is my spirit animal. I feel completely <laughs> blind by this event. <laughs> it, it is It is a critter that we invented. <laughs> Writing that Wikipedia article for it was so much fun. Oh my gosh, that's a Wikipedia article. <laughs> yeah, that's... we wrote a. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that alone is really unique. I mean, yeah. like you can you can certainly do a thing based on a theme, and most game jams and most things, even ones that that are more a little more structured, they they the actual amount of work put into the prompt is a lot lower than what the two of you did. Yeah, yeah. for real. Um, and I think that you've both identified that as a core component of this as a, as a project. Mm -hmm. Um. But I don't know that it's a necessary thing for a, an event like this. But it is definitely, I believe you, it's a core component for this particular event. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hang on to that and keep building. Mm -hmm. I know. What weird critter will we come up with next? <laughs> Something glorious and genius. But obviously, uh, we can't reveal it right this moment. No. Right, right. We... Yeah, exactly what it is. Sorry, okay. back up here. Okay. You can't give us an exclusive review right, right now on the podcast. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like we're running out of tape. We only have a couple seconds left, so say it quick. <laughs> It'll still be furry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a promise. Yeah. I went through like so many different animal characteristics. Like, does it have lots of legs? And I immediately said, nope. <laughs> For show notes and links from today's conversation, go to our website, nicegames.club. You can visit us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and Star Trek, the next generation, the animated series. Too many colons in that title. <laughs> we like hearing from you, so tweet back. Or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we're not quite sure what we're doing yet, but get hype all the same, please. Anyway, that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.